We're talking about recalibrate. Calibrate means to adjust. Recalibrate means to readjust. How many of you have different areas of your life that you're constantly recalibrating, constantly readjusting? You know, listen, God uh, gives us a, 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 the grace, thank God, to not stay stuck in a rut and stay in the same uh, pattern all our lives. But thank God for the grace to realign. Amen. To readjust. You know, we've been talking about recalibration. We're talking about recalibrating the passion for your life. Your passion for God. If you keep your heart red hot for God, God is going to bless you in a greater way than you've ever experienced before. Amen. And then we talked about recalibrating our thought life. If we if we realign, if we renew our thought life, our thoughts, our, our, our brains are our computers. And what goes in, what goes into the computer determines how the computer runs and, and which determines how your life, uh, what kind of life you live. The more you the more you put good thoughts into the computer, the better the outcome. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about realigning your purpose. Let me ask you a question. What drives your life? What's the motivation of your life? What makes you get up in the morning and live your life? You know, for different people, it's different things. What I mean by driving, what's controlling you? What's guiding you? What's directing your life? Everybody is directed. Everybody is driven by something. We're all, we all have different driving forces in our life. And, um, you know, for somebody, it's a, it's a job. That's what drives your life. It's your job. It's your work. It's your business. For some people, it's a relationship. It's all about that relationship, and it drives your life. For some people, it's anger and resentment. It drives their life. It totally overshadows and consumes all of their life. For other people, it's not anger, but it's success and power. They just got to succeed. They got to succeed, and it drives their life to the point where they, they're physically breaking down because they're so driven. Some people are driven by unhealthy beliefs, as we talked about last week. We're all driven by different things, but it's very important that we figure out what's driving our life. Because if we're drive, if our life is being driven by the wrong thing, we're in trouble. Amen. We got to figure out what's driving our life because nothing is more important than knowing and living God's purpose for your life. Amen. You know, you might be living your life for this over here. You know, something's uh, something's firing up your life. Something's igniting your life, but it's the wrong thing eventually you're going to go off the cliff. But whenever your whole life revolves, you're fulfilling God's purpose for your life, you're in the best position to have and enjoy a great life. Are y'all with me? Amen. Nothing is more important than knowing and living God's purpose for your life. How many would you agree with that? Amen. You know, I heard somebody say that the greatest tragedy is not death. The greatest tragedy is life without God's purpose. The greatest, greatest tragedy is not that we die. The greatest tragedy is that we don't live for God before we die. Amen? Are, are y'all with me? And so listen, the good news is that no one needs to live without God's purpose. Is that right? You know, listen what the Bible says. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a great verse. That's a great verse to memorize, to understand, to get down in your heart. God says, hey, I got a plan. I got a purpose for your life. In other words, whenever he created us, he already determined, he already decided what he would like our life to look like and what he would like for us to accomplish in this life. Now, how many of you know that when God designed something and he planned something, it's going to be well designed and well planned? 
Amen. And so listen, he says, God has a plan. When you live God's plan and your purpose, he says, it will infuse your life with excitement. It'll infuse your life with hope and it will cause you to have a brighter and a better future. Amen. And so listen, that's what God is saying. He's saying, listen, knowing and living for God's purpose will produce a greater passion for living. You, you know, listen, if you've lost excitement in life, I want to encourage you today. You can have a greater excitement. How do you get that? You start doing what God designed for you to do, and there will be a new level of living that is released in your life. Not only that, but the bad news is that we pay a high price for not living God's purpose. If we live God's purpose, we are promised that it's going to be bright. It's going to be a positive future. We're going to be infused with fresh enthusiasm. But you know what? The opposite is true. If we don't live God's purpose, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. And so listen, remembering, remember that there's always a consequence. There's always a price to pay when you're not living for God's purpose. And you know what I find is that, listen, just living life, it's easy to get off track. It's kind of like whenever you're driving along and, and it's easy for you to start wondering and all of a sudden you start veering off the road. And I find that even though you're in church, even though you're a believer, even though you love God, it's easy to get off track and it's easy to get off kilter. Remember the price Jonah paid for getting off track? You should be there in the book of Jonah now. But you remember Jonah, the Lord came to Jonah and he gave him a word in Jonah chapter one, verse one. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of uh, Amoth. Thelia, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish and he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, God gave Jonah a specific word. He said to him, I want you to get up and I want you to go to where? Nineveh, right? I want you to go to Nineveh. So God's purpose and plan for Jonah, his will, his target for Jonah was to go to Nineveh. Now, but Jonah, did Jonah do what God told him to do? No, Jonah rebelled against the word of the Lord. He rebelled against God's instructions. And instead of going to Nineveh, he decided to get on a ship and go to Tarshish, right? Now, what you have here is a classic example of someone rebelling against the will and the purpose of God. It's a classic example. Now, remember, the Bible says in Romans that God gave us these stories for us to read them and to learn. For us to read them and to learn valuable lessons. To not get on the boat that's headed to Tarshish, but to stay on the boat that's headed to Nineveh. Amen. So let's read on to see the outcome of Jonah's rebelling against the purpose and will of God. In verse 4 it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So now listen. Let's ask the question. What was the price Jonah paid for getting out of the purpose of God, out of the will of God? Jonah rebels against God's purpose and plan for his life. And what happens? He ends up in a great storm in his life. Do I need to say any more? He ends up in a great storm in his life. Now, who caused that storm? The Bible says in verse 4, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. You mean the Lord caused that storm? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 
Why did the Lord cause this storm in Jonah's life? Why did he do that? Well, let's let Jonah tell us himself. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, in verse 5, Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to the gods for help, and they threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. You know, the worst thing is to be in a storm that God caused and not to even realize it. Amen? That's just a little side note right there. Verse 6. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at this time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. So why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What's, what is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? What in the world's going on? They're saying. And then in verse nine, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do? To you to stop this storm. Now that we know it's you, buddy. Verse 12. He said, throw me into the sea, Jonah said. And it will become come again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Wow. I think we could close in prayer and go home and just meditate on this. But you know what's amazing? Is there's some people that know this story, but they still live on the ship of Tarsus. And they can't understand why they lie, their life is, is in this storm. Can I suggest why that might be? Whose fault was it that Jonah's life was in this storm? Jonah said, it's my fault. Jonah's rebellion against the purpose and will of God caused them to live in a storm. So the life application is that if you don't do the will of God, if you don't live for God's purpose, and you allow something else to drive your life, there's a good chance that you're going to live in a storm in your life. Are you all with me out there? Even God-fearing men and women can create or cause storms in their life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're, you're off the hook. You know, it just amazes me that Jonah said, Hey, I am a God-fearing man. Well, then Jonah, if you're a God-fearing man, hey, why don't you do what God tells you to do? Wouldn't you like to just suggest that to Jonah? Maybe we ought to look in the mirror. Todd, since you're a God-fearing man, why don't you do what God tells you to do? And so listen, here's the life application. Sometimes our trials, our difficulties, our hardships, our relational conflicts we go through in life is a direct result of our own rebellion and disobedience to God. Are y'all with me? Sometimes it's the whole reason. We're binding up the devil. We're breaking strongholds. We're causing, you know, we're calling down fire from heaven on the adversary. And the whole time our ship is rocking on the seas of adversity because we've gotten on the wrong ship going the wrong way. Amen. Why do we need to constantly realign our purpose? 
so we can stay out of the storms of life. That's one good reason. But you know, listen, how many of you would agree that living in the perfect will of God is the highest level of living? Okay, four people. How about the rest of you? Let me ask it again. How many of you believe that living in the perfect will of God is the highest level of living? See, we need to remind ourselves this. That listen, we can be like Jonah. We can be a God-fearing man or woman, but not be doing the will of God. You know, and so sometimes we equate the will of God as like, okay, I've got to give my life to Christ and now I'm in the will of God. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm walking in the will of God. Is that right? That's why Paul said in Ephesians 5, then verse 15, he said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so Paul said, listen, we need to understand. We need to figure out what the Lord's will is. Understand means to carefully figure out what God's wanting me to do, how God's wanting me to live. He says we should we should not be foolish, but we must should understand what the Lord's will is. Understand means to carefully carefully contemplate, meditate on, search for, diligently pursue. What do you want me to do? We must put great effort into figuring out God's plan for our life. Why? Because it's the, de- it's the best place to live your life. Now listen, there's two different places we can live our life. One is in the permissive will of God. The permissive will of God is, uh, you know, it speaks of the second or third place. You know, it's it's like uh, second or third best for your life. And uh, the permissive will of God is living in a way that God will allow you to walk in, even though it's not the best for your life. You know, God will permit you to walk in and do things and he won't, you know, he won't smash you or, or he won't, you know, stop your heart because you do that. He'll just allow it. But it doesn't mean it's what he wants for your life. Right. Like parents. You know, sometimes we allow our children to do stuff because, you know, because we're we know that we can't totally control their life. But it's not necessarily what we want for them. Amen. And so, you know, but eventually, you know, listen, if you live in the permissive will of God, eventually you're going to have leanness in your soul. Eventually that doing your, you know, the permissive will of God is going to get you to a place where you're going to feel empty inside, unfulfilled. There's the permissive will of God, and then there's the perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is living in God's intentional plan and purpose and design for your life. So I just heard somebody say, Well, Todd, what is that? That's for us to find out. It's for us to figure out. He didn't just send us a, a you know, piece of mail and say, there it is. It comes as we walk with God. It's unfolded. There's the written will of God. And then there's the, 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 the revealed will of God. God gives us will in his scripture. Then he gives us will by speaking to our hearts and bringing conviction and speaking his voice in our ears and say, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't live like that. Don't act like that. And it's through that process that we get into the perfect will of God. Are y'all with me? Remember the children of Israel. 
They were, they were in, in bondage in Egypt. God's sending them out. He's bringing them to the promised land. While they're in the wilderness, he fed them manna. It's like unleavened bread. It's like, it's like, you know, it just showed up on the ground. And man, they got so tired of eating that unleavened bread that they started murmuring and complaining. Man, I wish we had them cucumbers and them leeks and stuff we had in Egypt. I mean, man, they had some food over there. Over here, we just got this powdered stuff, man. And they started murmuring and complaining. And the Lord got upset with them. And he said, all right, y'all tired of eating this manna? All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. Y'all want some meat? I'll give y'all some meat. And he rained down quail. Y'all not just going to eat it one day or two days or three days. Y'all going to eat quail. Y'all going to eat meat so much that it's going to make you gag and you're going to be sick of quail. And he did. He sent it. He sent the quail. And they ate till they couldn't stand it anymore. God's perfect will for Israel was for them to eat manna in the wilderness. But they balked his will. They fought his will. They resisted his will. And they, and they murmured and they complained. And he sent the meat. God's permissive wills for them to have quail. But it wasn't his perfect will. His perfect will was manna. And I want you to notice, I want you to see the price Israel paid for living in the permissive will of God instead of the perfect will of God. In Psalm 106 and verse 13, it says they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert, and he gave them their requests, but he sent leanness into their soul. He sent leanness into their soul. The Lord gave them meat to eat, but while they got meat to eat, they got leanness in their soul. So listen, sometimes God will allow us to have and do things in our life, even if he knows it's not the best thing for us, but eventually it will cause an emptiness in our life. You know, let me illustrate it like this. A young lady is serving God. She's wanting to live for God. A young man comes in her life. He's not a Christian. He doesn't have a, a desire to serve God. And she knows that it'd be very difficult to continue to serve God if she marries or she, if she, if she, uh, yeah, if she marries or she dates this guy. But she decides, you know what? Forget all. I've been waiting long enough. This guy's a hunk of a man. I'm going for it. God won't strike her dead. God will allow her to go with that man. But it doesn't mean it's God's will for her. And how many times, how many times people have, have determined to have their own way and, and, and do their own thing and God will allow them to and they wake up one day and they say, man, why am I so empty? Why am I so empty inside? And it's because they got to a place where they decided, Lord, I don't want to do your will anymore. I want to do my own will. And whenever you do your own will, it'll bring leanness in your soul. It'll always bring leanness in your soul. Why should we concern ourselves about aligning with the purpose of God? There's four benefits to aligning yourself with the purpose of God. And this whole thing is about realigning our purpose. Don't get caught up in your business where your business became, begins to be the motivation of your life. Don't get so caught up in life that your hobby begins to be the passion of your life. Don't allow your life to be driven by something greater than God. Because you will always lose out. You will always, you will always pay a price for it. 
Just like Jonah. Just like Israel. You always pay a price for it. But let's look at the positive. Let's look at what happens whenever you do the will of God. Let me give you some benefits of aligning your purpose with God. Number one, it brings you into a closer walk with Jesus. Now, at first, at first notion, you might say, well, I'm not really crazy about that. Well, I think you should be. I think you would enjoy it if you did. Amen. How many of you want to get closer to Jesus? Yes, amen. Getting closer to Jesus comes to those whose hearts are set on doing the will of God. They're set on wanting to please God. They're set on wanting to do what God wants them to do. And in, in, uh, Jesus illustrated it this way in Matthew 12 and verse 46. Jesus was speaking to the crowd and his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, Jesus was not denying his responsibility or his love for his family. You remember how he took care of his mom when he was on the cross? He told John, he said, John, take care of mom. His brothers were around the day Pentecost, and it wasn't that he didn't care about his family. He took care of his family. He worried about them. But I believe what the point he was trying to make is that those, those who live their life in a way that pleases God, they live their life in a way and a desire to please God, they become like his own flesh and blood. They become like his own brothers and sisters. He's saying, listen, you want to see who's really important to me? It wasn't that he was saying, I don't care about my brothers. He was illustrating. Because remember what he did? He pointed, verse 49, he says, he pointed to the disciples. And he said, look, these are my brothers and my, and my, these are my, my brothers and my sister. In other words, what he was saying is, he said, listen, these are as important to me as my own family. How many of you want to be important to Jesus as his own family. Amen. You know, and so listen, you know, whenever I think about that, you know, I mean, listen, you know, people can ask me to help them and I will. But I'm telling you, if Tanya or Olivia ask me for help, for help, that goes to a whole new level. Come on, y'all with me out there? Because there's something about our relationship. Now, how many of you would agree that the disciples got more from Jesus than anybody else? How many of you believe with me that the disciples got to experience things with Jesus that nobody else on the globe got to experience? Why? He said, I tell you why they got to see more miracles than anybody else, see more of the supernatural than anybody else, experience my teaching more than anybody else. It's because they were doing the will of God. You see, everybody is on the same playing field when it comes to you all get a place in heaven, but not everybody gets the same benefit in their walk with God. Jesus had disciples that got more from him than the crowd who just came for the fish and the chips. Amen. Are y'all with me? If you're with me, say amen. 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 So benefit number one, it brings you into a closer relationship with God. And so here's the principle. The more you surrender to his will, the more you get from your relationship with him. The more you surrender, the more you get. If you want to experience more attention and presence of Jesus, We need to hunger 
to walk in the perfect will of God. Amen? Number two. Benefit number two to living in the perfect will of God. It infuses your life with joy and fulfillment. It infuses you. John 4, 31. Remember Jesus was with his disciples. They had been ministering. They were walking from town to town. They get to the city. There's this little lady by the well. Jesus starts ministering to him. The guy said, man, we're hungry. We're going into town, get some to eat. They get back. He's still right there at the well ministering. And he said, man, he must be hungry by now. In, in John chapter 4, verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, this is what I'm talking about, guys. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And from finishing his work, doing the will of God will infuse you with a new life. It gives you nourishment. Now, listen, you know, it's like, how can I, how can I explain myself? How can I, how can I make this so simple that anybody can understand? If you want to live a fulfilled life, surrender to Jesus. Because there will be an infusion in your life that you never get in a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex or in this time and day, somebody of the same sex. You will never never get as much fulfillment and joy in your job or in your hobby or anything else. You know why? You were created to serve God. We were created to serve God. We were created to live for God. It doesn't mean that God don't want us to have relationships, don't want us to have hobbies, and don't want us to enjoy life. He said, I came that you might have it in, a, in buckets full, man. I came that you might have it abundantly. Come on, have a truckload of fun. But this is how you're going to have the most fun. This will bring the biggest truckload of life to you. Do the will of God. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Do the will of God. That's what he's saying. He's saying, man, I, he said, I, I'm, I'm enjoying life so much, I forgot to eat. I don't even need to eat, man. I don't need no, no, well, let me not go there. Let me just stay on target here. Hey, I could, can y'all relate to this? Come on, how many of you can relate to this? Come on. You know, I remember, you know, like whenever I first got saved, I went to a production. I wasn't planning on getting saved. I was just trying to be nice to my brother. And really, that was that was the whole thing. My brother invited me to a production, and I went. And I I I I wrote my 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 friend Doug Renard into coming with me. Doug, don't let me go by myself, man. I got to go to church. So he came with me. And so we sit there, and they presented the the lesson. I mean, the the production. And at the end, somebody grabbed the back of my pants, pulled me up when they had the altar call, and I went up. And said, yes, Lord. I didn't know what that meant. I cried. But it was good tears, you know. I went home. It's like, whoo, glad I'm done with that. It was pretty good. It wasn't bad. I mean, I was really impressed. It's not nearly as bad as I thought. I wasn't planning on crying. Something happened there. <laughs> and so, so my brother and Brother Francis and Miss Betty Joe right there, they decided, well, it's not good that he gave his life to Christ. He needs to be to church. And so they started inviting me to fried turkey dinners and all kind of stuff. And the church called me, hey, why don't you come to the Bible study? No, not interested. It called my brother. He called me and said, hey, why don't you come, Francis Borks, frying the turkey? No, I got to work late. Stay about five minutes after time of knockoff, and I was late. 
But I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go around them. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to surrender my will to God. I wanted to live in the world. I wanted to do my own thing. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And the more it went, the problem was the seed God planted. And I could see things I couldn't see before. And God ruined me. He ruined me. He ruined my life. And I'm so grateful he did. It's the best ruin I've ever experienced. Amen. Yeah. He ruined me. I couldn't enjoy the world anymore. And I got miserable. I got miserable. Everything wasn't working. You know, I thought I'd put all my energy into martial arts. Man, I'm going to be a fighter. Went out one night. I must have bumped into somebody, whatever, walked out. Was leaving a place. Somebody hit me over the head with some brass knuckles or something. Ripped my, my eye wide open. Before I knew it, I lost. I didn't even get a chance to throw a kick. But you know what? God was bringing me to the end of myself. And I'm so grateful for it. But you know, here's the point. If you really want to experience the joy of Christianity, it doesn't come with half-hearted commitment. It comes when you totally put your life into it. That's where you're going to tap. In fact, that's a miserable life to ride two horses. I mean, that will be painful. Amen? I'm going to let you think about that for a little while. (laughs) Doing the will of God will infuse you with with fresh energy. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You know, how many conversations I've had, how many experiences I've had myself where people have said, man, I'm going to get into golf. They get into golf, man. It becomes a God. Every, every little moment they're out there, man, hitting the golf ball. Man, they're improving their game, man. They, hey, man, they scratch golfer now. That's awesome, man. That's great. You ought to go pro, man. You know, and all this. That's great. Then all of a sudden, hey, man, you've been playing golf. No, no, man. Something wrong with my shoulder. I can't hit the ball anymore. You know, or they, you know, I'm going to go duck hunting. And they get them a blind and they go duck hunting. Oh, you know, look, duck hunting season's only, ah, man, I'm going to serve God whenever duck hunting season's over. And, man, they go out there, kill ducks. Next thing you know, they can't get a bird to fall on the pond. And it's lifeless. There's no fruit in it. It's a temporary fix. But when you do the will of God, there's always going to be birds on the pond. Figure of speech. Amen. Are y'all with me? You're going to hit a hole in one whenever you serve God. Amen. You can play golf, but you do it in the right way and you'll enjoy it and it won't become a God. Amen. Are y'all tracking with me? Beginning of the year is a good time to re realign your purpose. What are you living for? What's driving your life? God wants us to live fully surrendered to his will. Benefit number three to living in the perfect will of God is it will cause you to experience the benefits of God's promises. You know, nothing will release God's fullest provisions in your life like walking in God's will. It's kind of like, you know, he puts crumbs on his path and then on the other one is no crumbs. And if you want the crumbs, you get on his path and there'll be blessings all the way. 
But if you get off his path, no crumbs. Nothing. It's empty. And so listen, Hebrews 10.36 says this. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Now, I want you to notice patience, endurance. This is the key. Patient endurance. He said, if you have patient endurance, this is what you need now. And you will reap the benefits of God's promises. He said, then you will receive all that God has promised. Listen, the longer I endure, the more days I live in God's will. Whenever I get out, and as we easily get out, whenever I jump back in, the more I live in God's will, the more of God's promises I'm going to realize. The problem is sometimes we get tired. We say, man, I've been living in God's will for two weeks now. And it's like nothing's happened. But we've been living in the world for 20 are y'all with me? You got to endure in the will of God. You got to keep. Listen, whenever you get out, repent, get back in. And the more days, the more you endure in the will of God, the more you live in pleasing God, the more you live in trying to do what God wants you to do, the more the blessings of God will begin overflowing and compounding in your life. Amen. See, some people never receive the full benefit of God's promises because they get impatient and they just jump out of God's will. And then they got to come back and start right where they left, right where they got off the road. They got to come back here and they got to get back on the right road. Now, I was just thinking about this and I was thinking about, you know, there's, there's a brother in the church. He's a businessman. And, and uh, you know, he was he was looking at selling his business and, and he had a buyer and and, and they were going to give him top dollar for it. And man, he, he was just so ecstatic. He'd been praying and I'd been praying and believing with him for this thing to happen. And you know what happened? Like a couple of days before they were getting ready to sign, this guy that was going to buy it went on this binge. And, and he just stayed drunk for like a week. And he couldn't sign no papers. And his family said he's not, he's in no shape to do a business transaction. And so the whole thing just fell through. And I can remember just really crying with this guy and say, man, I don't know what to tell you. I don't understand it. I mean, it just seemed, I mean, this was going to be a windfall for him. He was going to just make a bunch of money. It seemed like the best. But you know what? At the time, couldn't understand it. Couldn't realize what, what God had in mind. Fast forward about five years or so. His business is still going. He's making money. He's employing his family. And he realized later that if he'd have sold his business, he'd have lost, lost half of it to taxes. By keeping his business, he's doing way, way, way better than he had ever done if he'd have sold it back then. Back then, it seemed like that God didn't love him. God didn't care for him. It seemed like God was mad at him. But you know what? He patiently endured. He didn't leave the will of God. He didn't leave the purpose of God. He stayed on course, and God blessed him and blessed him abundantly. What am I saying? Don't give up. Don't don't throw in the towel. Don't backslide. Don't go the way of the world. Don't let anybody turn your head. Stay with God, man. Stay with God, man. Stay with God, man. I'm telling you, it's the best way to live your life. Live for God. Amen. Amen. Patiently endure. 
patiently endure. I mean, just quickly like that. I was just thinking, I was thinking about our brother, this brother here in the church. He's single man, been living for God, keeping himself for God. All these girls coming around, wanting to, wanting to, you know, sweep him off of his feet. But the problem was they weren't where he was spiritually. And he just maintained his heart before the Lord, doing the will of God. He went on a mission trip, went, went to El Salvador, met this young lady over there. And she was helping us and she was doing the will of God, finished a mission trip, came back home. Nothing doing. The next year he decided, I'm going to go on another mission trip. The church wasn't gone that year. He went. He took off. This same young lady, he had no idea. She showed up. And so she asked him one night, what's a nice looking guy like you doing single? And he said, well, I'm waiting on the will of God. She said, well, that's good. That's good. So he went to bed and he was laying on his bed one night. And that night he's like, man, why didn't you ask her? What's a nice looking woman like you doing single? The good news is the mission trip wasn't over. So the next morning, whenever he saw her, he asked her the question. So, and she said, I'm waiting for the will of God. What just so happened, the will of God for him and the will of God for her was each other. And we married them in August. And they live in for God. And they reap in the benefits and the blessings of serving God. See, what I'm trying to tell you is that God's got a will. And His crumbs, His blessings are in His will. Amen? The Twelve spies. Ten of them got out of God's will. Two of them stayed in. Two of them got the blessing. Ten of them didn't. The question is, are you going to trust Him enough to follow His will? Or are you going to give up? Are you going to trust Him enough to follow His will even though... It doesn't make sense, some of the things that are happening in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Amen. And finally, number four, following, living, realigning your life for the purpose of God prepares you for eternity. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're all going to die. We all got to die. We got to die. We can't get out of it. Unless we're still here when the rapture happens. We all going to die. Right? And the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 2 or 27, it's appointed for men to die once. And then the judgment. There's a death sentence. There's a death sentence on all of our heads. And whenever we die, we got to give an account. we got to answer for our life. What's going to happen when I die? There are two options, heaven or hell. How in the world am I going to get to heaven? Well, according to Scripture, it really depends if I'm doing the will of God or not. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does... The will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Are you living in the will of God today? Are you living for God? It's more than going to church. Surrendering your heart. It's making a decision. That I want to live for Him. 
I want to do what He wants me to do. Amen? How many of you want to go to heaven when you die? How many of you want to go to heaven whenever you get out of this earth? Who gets to go? Does He have favorites? No, it's those that surrender. It's those that yield their life to Jesus. Amen? So would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. You know, there are more benefits. There are a whole lot more benefits than we just talked about. You know, and what I found is it's so easy to get out of the will of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to talk to somebody in here today that maybe you've been coming to church, but you haven't made that decision. You haven't surrendered your life. And Jesus is drawing you. Jesus is wounding you. And say, man, go ahead and surrender. Go ahead and yield. Go ahead and give your life. Because if you do, you're going to find it. There might be some in here today that you're not sure if you died, whether you would get to go to heaven. And that's that bothers you. And you don't want to take a chance with that. You want to make sure you're right. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hands. The Lord is drawing hearts. He's drawing people to Himself because He don't want you to live in that storm any longer. He don't want you to live in that ship that is tossed to and fro. He's wanting you. He's wanting you to know stability in your life. And it comes to those who surrender. Would y'all just pray with me for just a second? Come on, let's, let's, let's not be in a hurry. Let's, let's close this deal here. What God is doing. God is stirring hearts today. Come on, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, sir. Come on, sir. Let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to do your will. I want to spend eternity with you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash my sins away. Break rebellion. Break stubbornness off my heart. And help me, Lord, to live the Christian life. I want to live for you. I want to live like you want me to live. My desire is to be pleasing to you. Help me, Lord, to live that way. In Jesus' name. Is that your prayer today? Is that your heart today? Amen. Well, the Lord says that to as many as received them, to them he gave the right to become children of God. He makes a decision. And he says, I receive those who respond to my invitation. So welcome to the family of God. Amen. Amen. Now listen, the rest of you are saved, I assume. Right? Let me ask you. I know you're a Christian. I know you're a believer. Are you living for God? Are you living your life to please God? Is the drive of your life what God wants you to do? Can I encourage you today? If it's not, make some adjustments in your life. Recalibrate your life. Because it's the best way to live your life. There's blessings along that road that you'll never get out elsewhere. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray right now that you would release your hand of blessing and provision and grace upon each and every family here. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.